0: Thank you for tuning in again to the Rocky Brown Ministries podcast. I am Rocky Brown. All right. Are we learning anything about the topic of healing? If you've learned anything, I hope you've learned that there's a whole lot more to it than what you ever thought there was. Now, last week we really covered a lot of the hindrances and how we believe and how that affects us and all that different stuff. Now, the last thing that we talked about that we didn't get to was in hindrances was this very last point. So, I know Brandon wasn't here last week, so I, I'll just kind of touch base on that, is that... You know, hindrances to healing is just like hindrances, hindrances to salvation. How you believe affects what you get out of the deal. I mean, it's just the fact of the matter. I mean, if you choose not to believe in Jesus as your savior and Lord, there's only one place for you when you step into eternity. And, and unfortunately, you know, God don't want you to go there, but if you won't believe, I mean, you got no other choice. You've went there against his will. So un- unbelief and refusal to believe the word. Now let's say this. I think it was. I think it's important that we understand this. Is that unbelief can be cured, right? So if you can work with people and you can get them to just hold tight to what the Bible says. You can help people, but when you've got, we talked about this last week about people, and we've mentioned this a few times, when people become emotionally attached to someone that's teaching them wrong, it's almost like someone being in abusive relationship. You know, oftentimes you'll see women that follow them, find themselves in abusive relationships. You know, and this man's a whooping the fire out of them, but they won't call the law, and they won't do anything about it. You there's some, for some reason they've become emotionally attached to that which is hurting them. So a lot of times people don't take it as bad teaching is hurting them, but oftentimes it will hurt you. Because it's not a question of if you'll need healing or health, it's, you know, you need health every day. Ideally, you'd like to not need healing. But if you need healing, then you've got to start studying the topic of healing. You know, it's I think it's very unfortunate that when we look at the medical world, we have general practitioners, and we have specialists, and then we have specialists in the field of that specialty. So, for example, you would not want to go to just a general practice doctor for brain surgery, or heart surgery, or you know while he may be the best general practice doctor in the world if he's not been trained how to operate on your brain you really don't want him operating on you so it's important to see that the gift the ministry gifts are all supposed to work together the apostle the prophet the evangelist pastor teacher all these gifts are supposed to work together because no one person or no one office of ministry holds everything that you need. So you can have the world's best pastor, but him not know anything about the topic of healing. So, you know, you gotta get over there and listen to someone that specializes on that specific topic, right? But oftentimes, a lot of pastors don't want you to do that, and so they're preaching spiritual adultery from the pulpit, you know? Well, you can't listen to anybody else but me, or you can't listen to anybody else but your our particular denomination. And so a lot of people stay trapped in sickness and disease and all that because of the way that they've been taught. So it's important to understand that when it comes to the subject of healing or the subject of salvation or provision, it's always number one. It always has to be number one that you derive what you believe from the word of God. I've heard many people have wonderful long drawn out wonderful theological debates that by the time you got listening to all three sides get done talking you could readily see they didn't know much about what they was talking about. Right? Because they're really just worried about proving how smart they are. So they write all these books and all this different stuff and you know and it's finally you just get to, I just get tired of listening to people after about 5 minutes if I can can see This person really doesn't know what they're talking about. I I really just don't have any need to carry on, keep on going. You know, and then oftentimes people get confused, and so they'll need healing and want to study who the Antichrist is. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Whatever you need is what you need to be studying on. If you're doing good in the health department, but you're struggling with finances, going over scriptures for healing not going to help you a lot. You you, you know, we need to meet the need now, right? That's, That's why I encourage people, pull what you believe from inside the Word and then base what you believe on that. And I'm not saying that there's not many wonderful people across all the denominations that have wrote wonderful books that have really helped people and so on and so forth. That's not what we're saying. But when you have someone that is really starting to teach and preach something that's contradictory to the Word, you, you just got to kind of check out on them. I have friends of mine, wonderful friends of mine, good Christian men that are pastors, wonderful, I mean wonderful, dedicated men of God that the believe that believe that the gifts of the Spirit went out when the last apostle died. And I'll say, can you prove that to me in the light of the Word? No, but in 1648 at this council, blah, 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 you know, 125 people got together that... I don't care what they had to say. Well, they had, this person had to say, I don't care what they had to say. Can you prove it to me in the light of the Bible? Because if you can't prove it to me in the light of the Bible, I love you. You won't be sick. That's your problem. Be as sick as you can possibly be. See what I'm saying? You know, see, so I mean, we got... All these people believe in all this stuff that they can't prove inside the line of the Bible. These people would get, that you know, would want to get mad and fight and argue because we got five people born again last night and then walked them right outside and baptized them into a trough. Well, why didn't you put them through a program, you know, where they went 30 days and they had to prove themselves and this and that? Well, can you prove that to me in the line of the Bible? Because I can prove to you that there was at least 3,001 people that got born again and immediately baptized. So people will hold on to bad teaching because the little old church that they love teaches it and they don't want to find another church or they love their little old pastor or this is Mamaw's church and blah, blah, blah and this and that. and People find themselves trapped and they just won't move forward. And that's where a lot of people are at. So when you see that, you know, try to help people. But if you can't help them, don't argue with them. I just say, well, I I like being healthy and well. And I'm doing it. And if you want to be sick and downtrodden, just carry on. You know, I mean... I just, you know, I just try to settle debates rationally and quickly. If God, a lot of people believe that God has given them a sickness to prove a point. Well, if he's given you that sickness to prove a point, why are you going to the doctor to be set free from it? And I'm not against medicine. I'm a, I am an advocate of getting healed any way that you can to try it in the sight of the Lord. Right, and he'll use medicine, he'll use supernatural means, all these different things. So we're not against medicine and psychiatry and all that different stuff. But if people really genuinely believe that God wants them to be sick, then they should not go to the doctor. Can you see that? that, I mean, that's good common sense because if it's God's will for you to be sick and you don't wanna be outside of God's will, don't go to the doctor. But now you can see that once you look at it from that perspective, it's like, huh, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You know, if God wants me to be sick, I better not go to the doctor and try to be well. Forget walking in health or having people pray for you or anything else. (laughs) I mean, just don't go to the doctor. Be as sick as you can possibly be. See, a lot of things are just can really just be hashed out with common sense you know give you half a dozen scriptures that tells you God doesn't want people to perish wants them to be born again is everybody going to be born again unfortunately no but that doesn't mean that it was not God's will for them to be born again so you have a lot of people that are sick you have a lot of ministers that are sick pastors people that are sick and they're sick because of the fact that they won't just simply either admit they're wrong and repent and turn to what's right I mean you can go just as far in disobedience as you want to go see that and so hindrance is when you see something in the word and I think we posed this question last week is has has have you ever been shown something in the word that you didn't want to see has the Holy Spirit ever made something clear to you? Like, hey, you need to forgive that person. Well, I ain't forgiving them. You don't know what they did to me and everything else. I say, no, I don't know what they did to you, but I know what they did to Jesus for you. And no, I don't. Do you think I like having to forgive people? Absolutely not. But it comes a time when the Word, you have a choice. You see that this is what the Word says, and you see this is how you feel. Which way are we going? Because that's a choice you're going to make every day. It's the truth, right? It's a choice that you're going to make every day. Are you going to do what the Lord has told you to do? He's required a lot of me that I didn't want to do. That I had to sit there and go, okay, I don't really want to do this. But this is what you want me to do. This is what we got to do. So, when you see, when the Holy Spirit makes something clear to you in your heart, and then you refuse to acknowledge that, you are now beginning to harden your heart against what the Lord's trying to tell you. So, there's really no difference between you. Remember when we looked at the six times that Pharaoh hardened his heart against the Lord before, you know, they preach and teach, you know, well, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Will they completely leave out the fact that six times Pharaoh hardened his heart against the Lord before? See I me. Mean? So it's about will you do what the Lord tells you to do? And so how you believe affects what you get. And when you see what you believe is wrong in the side of the word, really you just need to correct it and go on. Fix it. It's how it's wrong. It's that simple. You know, a lot of people think the world's going to come to an utter end if they have to admit that they're wrong and apologize. And I used to be that same way, but you know what? I've had to do it a lot. Like the time I told you about the pastor, that me and him about got into the fist fight up here at the cafeteria at the school. And then the Lord made me go apologize. And I wasn't in the wrong, (laughs) but I was wrong. So you can be right and still be wrong. So as we look at all these hindrances, really, it's just as simple as, if you don't know what to do, ask the Lord, what do I need to do here? And then just continue to say, hey, you know what? Because he's trying to talk to you. He's trying to answer you. He's trying to meet you where you're at. But oftentimes, we don't really want to hear what he has to say. I come to find that out, and I'll tell you a funny story. Today, I was having to do a crap job that I didn't want to do. And it's hot, sweaty, and I was mad, you know, and we got stuck with a couple, we got stuck by a couple of churches, you know, that kind of told us they would work with us, and then they didn't, and so, you know, made it rougher on us. And so I was out in the middle of the heat, shoveling, and I was talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, why'd they do me this way? Why'd they do us this way? He said, well, oftentimes my servants are lazy. Then he said, just like you are sometimes. I said, well, you got me there, Lord. He said, now what I want you to do is have mercy on him, compassion on him, and love him and go on. I said, well, that's not really the answer I was hoping for. Like, couldn't we not go back there when you was talking about, you know, David knocking people's teeth out and stuff, you know? No, Because, no. you know, I mean, you'd think, yeah, he got me right in there, too. He said, sometimes you're lazy, too. I said, it's truth." I didn't you think I want to admit that no I don't want to admit that you think I want to come and admit that in front of seven or eight grown people no I don't want to admit that at all but the more honest we are and the more real we are the more effective we'll not uh, we'll live our lives but not just live our lives but help other people too right so oftentimes we'll see these hindrances you know sometimes you got to quit what's making you sick before you can be healed Oftentimes people don't want to hear that. They want to be healed of what is happening to them, but they want to continue to keep doing <laughs> what they're doing. They put them in the condition that they're in, and people don't want to hear that. But if you can help someone, just tell them. Say, "Hey, look, you're going to have to quit. They might get mad at you, or they may listen. Sometimes that's the risk you run. i got to say things to people that they don't like all the time. I got to say stuff to me sometimes I don't like. I didn't like the Lord telling me I was lazy sometimes either. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there you are, right? You just got to have it, right? So sometimes you need to know where you're wrong. We talked about, you know, lack of knowledge and understanding on the topic of healing. We talked about lack of revelation for of healing, you know, being for everybody. Now, this last one, I'm gonna maybe stretch you here a little bit, but just stay with me. Because this last one is actually just simply not resisting the devil. So you gotta hear you've got here's what you have to realize. Okay. You have to realize the fact that sickness really came from man's fallen state. So we proved that, right? So you know. Sickness, all sickness is a result of sin, but not all sickness is because of sin. We kind of talked about that at the very beginning. So sickness, every form of sickness and disease is in the earth because of sin, because of the fallen state. But not everybody that is sick has some type of sickness because they've done something wrong. Oftentimes they just didn't even know, hey, I need to resist the devil. This is trying to come against me. He's trying to put this on me. I was preaching at a church in Jellicoe about this same time last year. And I was preaching on the subject of healing. And as I was sitting there getting ready to preach, I just, in my spirit, the Lord showed me, oftentimes the enemy will bring sickness and disease and he'll try to lay it on you. Well, if you don't know to resist that, and you just let it hang around there, he said, the longer you let it hang there, he said, the better chance you got of it getting a hold of you. And so, how really, how he showed it, I'll just be more uh, in depth about how he showed it to me. It was like I like to watch old westerns and stuff. Well, so in the old westerns, you know, like people would take blankets that was infected with typhoid fever to, like, the Indians and all this different stuff. And, man, I tell you what, in the spirit, I just saw it. and it looked like this just horribly nasty, filthy blanket that the devil just tried to. And it's sickness, right? So you ever had to, something just hit you out of nowhere? Now, there is sickness related to natural circumstances and failure in the body and so on and so forth. You drop a five-pound caulking gun on your thumb from two feet in the air when you're not paying attention, you're going to end up with a swelled thumb. It's the way it goes. But then also, too, the enemy will come against you and put sickness on you, and we're going to prove that to you, right? So go to Acts chapter 10. I want I want you to see this. And then thank you, Lord, for showing... I forgot about that scripture right there. Acts chapter 10. Now, Acts chapter 10 is where Peter is at Cornelius' house. Now, Cornelius is a Gentile, right? Right? And at Cornelius' house is where the Gentiles receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right, so Acts chapter 2, it's the Jews. Acts chapter 8, it's the Samaritans, which is half-Jews. And then Acts chapter 10 is the Gentiles. Well, and so in this message that Peter's preaching... I thought it was kind of funny because old Peter didn't get out more than two or three real good sentences and the Holy Spirit fell and just ruined his message, you know, and the party broke out and there it was. But now look what he says right here. He talks about... Let me just open that up. I want to read more of that context right there. I only had three verses referenced. But I really want to read more of that. So if I go down to Acts chapter 10. Now... And I start reading at verse 34, it says this. It says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive God shows no partiality. That's good news. You ought to highlight that right there. You know why? Because if God shows no partiality, this is one of five statements that I found in the New Testament that specifically says God shows no partiality in any person. So if you're in need of something, and you have proof that God has done, that, has done something for someone else, he'll do it for you why because it says right there i perceive that god shows no partiality to any person then verse i can give them to you after yep i can give them to you afterwards because there's uh there's here is ephesians colossians first peter i've got them on my phone but i will give them to you Verse 35 says, But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Well, that's good news. Then 30, verse 36, it says, The word got, which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Now watch what he says right here. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. All right, so that healing right there is the aeomai Now, if you remember, we talked about the Greek word eomai. When it pertaining to salvation, it means the soul, the spirit being born again, and you being restored back three parts, spirit, soul, and body. But every other time when we see this used in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, it's physical healing. It always, almost nine out of ten cases, is always linked to physical healing. Well, so what does that tell us right there? Jesus went about healing, and all the ones that he healed was oppressed by the devil in some way. All right, Now, go to Luke chapter 13 real quick. I want to show you something because we want to really cement this in, talking about we're going to go to Luke 13, then we're going to go to John 9. I didn't plan to go to John 9 either, but we're going there. Now, Luke 13, 16. Well, let's look at, uh, let's get the whole report right there. Let's go back to verse 10, and let's get the whole, let's get the whole report. It says, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bent over, and in no way could raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So for 18 years, we got no record that she glorified God for having sickness and disease. But the moment Jesus set her free and she stood upright was the very first thing she did. She came up praising God. See that? See, healing is good. <laughs> now, but the, but the ruler of the the pastor of the synagogue got mad. The ruler of the synagogue got mad, answered with indignation. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered and said to him, Thank you for pointing out where I was wrong. (laughs) No, Jesus didn't say that, did he? What did he call that leader? What did he call that pastor? Hypocrite! Exclamation point! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? He said, You're working. I'd still work. Huh? So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham now look what right, the very next sentence says right there whom Satan has bound. See that? Who put that where'd that sickness come from? It came from the kingdom of Satan and he bound her with it for 18 years, be loosed uh, from this bond on the Sabbath. He said, so basically you could kind of restructure what Jesus said right there and put it like this, of all the days of the week that this woman should be set free from the power of the devil, it ought to be on the Sabbath day when she can rest. See, sickness will make you labor, won't it? Anybody ever had sickness for a while? Sickness will make you toil and labor day and night. Coming up from being bent over 18 years, though, that woman laid down and slept like she'd probably like a brand new baby in its mama's arms. See that? See, healing's good. So when we look at that, you can see right there that healing is a good thing. All right, Brandon, are you ready for this? Here's your references. I'm going to give it to you real quick. Let me know when you're ready. Acts 10 and 34. Romans 2 and 11, yeah. Ephesians 6, 9, yeah. Colossians 3 and 25, yeah. and First Peter, chapter 1, verse 17. Now, we want to conquer... No yes. What yep. was the first Peter? Uh, 1 and 17. I saw it in Romans... 323 in Romans 9? Does anyone say that? I was reading that earlier. You very well might. Hey, listen, this is why I don't say, you'll never hear me say this is a comprehensive list because I was actually going to take you to Matthew 5 and show you something else. I'll read it to you just real quick. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe for there is no distinction. Is that not the same thing? That's exactly the same thing. That's exactly the same thing, just using a different word. I mean, that's good news. What's that mean? No distinction. It means he's showing no personal favoritism one to another. And then go back. So yeah, so write that one down. And then look at this one, Matthew chapter five. And then I would just start reading right here at verse forty-three. He says, "You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies." Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. There's one. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. That's two right there. That's two statements right there, In one verse tells you that God do the same for an evil person as he will for a good person. See that? So, I mean, really, that's a twofer right there. That is the Greek word teleos, and it means to be brought to a completion or end, wanting nothing, being brought to completeness. Of men, it can be also uh, full grown or adult, to be perfect, complete, fully complete and lacking nothing. How about that? So that's good news. See there? So you got really in just a few short minutes right there, we just got three more scriptural references on <laughs> top. So now you got eight right there tells you God if he'll do it for an evil person, surely he'd do it for you. So that's good news. So really it's not if God will heal you. It's not even if he wants to. It's will you believe? That's the thing. I mean, you could prove that right in the light of Mark chapter 9. Go to Mark chapter 9. <laughs> Having a swollen thumb is nowhere near as fun as what you may think it is. I mean, it just seems like things just don't... Kenny sitting over here is like, I just had hand surgery. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mark chapter 9. All right, now, you could readily see that a very desperate situation is a daddy who's got his child in front of Jesus. And this child is being horribly tormented of the devil. He's being thrown into the water. He's being thrown into fire. This thing is trying to destroy him, right? So go down and look here at verse... uh, Start at verse 20. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And oftentimes... Often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to, to destroy him. Now look what he says right here. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Well, really, now we stand on this side of the New Testament. So we've got all kinds of scriptural evidence that this poor father did not have. But so for us standing on this side of it, Looking back across the fullness of 66 books, we can see that asking Jesus to have compassion really makes less sense than asking water to be wet. Compassion to the Lord is more natural than the state of wet to water. It's who He is. Remember, we talked about that. We went through that for a few weeks, the compassion of the Lord, right? But how many people are standing in this very position right now? I remember this. Going through this stuff with Abigail and this battle and everything we went through with Abigail. It's one of the best. This portion of Scripture right here is one of the absolute most phenomenal portions of Scripture when it comes to needing a miracle or it comes to needing the supernatural move of God. Because in this, we have the statement, If you can do anything to help us, please have mercy on us. Have compassion upon us and help us. Well, what does Jesus say right here? If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So I made a statement last week, if you remember, that talked about really your prayer being answered is more dependent upon you than it is on God. Brother Hagin said that. Then we went on further to say that you being healed is more dependent upon you than it is on God. Right? So we talked about that in 1 John chapter 5 about ascertaining what God's will is in the matter. See, oftentimes people want to pray, pray, pray. What are we praying about? Well, nothing in particular. Well, that's the results that you're going to get is nothing in particular. See, we need to take the word. You know, now we're not against praying immediately. If someone needs prayer right then and we have an emergency situation, it's good to pray. But oftentimes, I firmly believe that we miss it because we rush into prayer not knowing, number one, what does God want to do in this particular situation? He may want someone to be healed, but instead of them being healed by laying on hands, he may want me to spit in the mud and spit in the ground and make mud. <laughs> I mean, see there? He may want you to stick your fingers in someone's ears and spit on their tongue. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just saying. I wouldn't go that way unless the Spirit of God said it. But I have scriptural evidence to prove that they went that way. I keep asking. Well, I'm and I keep waiting. I mean, it it just, I, I can't do it unless he says it. But so see, oftentimes too, though, you'll come to find out that Jesus took one man outside the city. It didn't do a thing for him until he got him outside the city. Why? Because he had to get him out from all that people that had all that unbelief. See, sometimes to get your miracle, you're going to have to press past the people that are just coming to spectate. So I, I really appreciate you that you're coming to watch, but I didn't come to watch Jesus. I came to receive from Jesus. I didn't come here to get a, a bobblehead or a piece of memorabilia. I came to get the power of God moving upon me to heal me and help me. See what I'm saying? So a lot of people are just wanting to spectate, you know, and so they miss it. But so Jesus said right here, he said, if you can believe, All things are possible to the one who believes. Now watch what the father says right here. This is beautiful. This right here, the Lord told me one time, he said this right here. This statement right here is the key to unlocking most people's miracles. Think about that. Immediately the father of the child cried out with tears and said what? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Well, you know, so I mean, oftentimes... Now, I got to say this. I really do enjoy a good, funny Facebook meme as well as anybody. I mean, I really thoroughly enjoy them. There are oftentimes that I see things and I just laugh and laugh and I laugh some more. And it's good. But then oftentimes, you'll see people sharing stuff from their flesh. So you'll have someone that's had a six or eight day good period you know and well they're too blessed to be depressed well they don't understand what they're saying to the people around them that are struggling with depression because christian people can readily you it, it's very easy to see they can struggle with depression right too blessed to be depressed hmm. so i question people's sometimes with the, their motives you know what I mean And so oftentimes, you'll see people, educated people, good Christian people, will say things like, fear and faith can't coexist. Well, I've got scriptural proof that says that it can. Because you'll notice Jesus never contradicted what the man said right there, did he? He didn't stop and say, now wait a minute, fear and faith can't coexist. No, you can believe some. But that man knew right there. He said, With what little faith I've got, this may not be enough to help my son. So help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. I believe some. I believe a little. And that man proved it. He proved that he believed some because he took his demon possessed son to this town, the specific region, looking for Jesus. And when he got there, he really got the B team because he got nine disciples. That was, <laughs> you know, he got he got third string, really. He gets there, there's no Jesus, there's no Peter, James, or John. Well, that man had already exhibited, he did believe some, didn't he? He, he was taking steps of faith. He said, listen, I, don't, I if I can get him to Jesus, he'll be healed. This man's working miracles. If I can get him there, well, then he gets there and he's not there. Could you imagine how devastating that would be? This ain't like, you couldn't just say, call, hey, Kenny, I heard Jesus was up at Rocko's. Is he still there? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's up here hanging out at Granny's store. Tell him to stay right there. I'll be right there. No, I mean, we're talking about having to travel miles by foot with a demon-possessed child that the devil's trying to kill every time that someone ain't looking. This guy's got a bad situation going on there. So he did believe some. He exhibited... A great example of he really did believe. So then, but often you see right there that this man kicked it right back on, you know, he tried to kick the ball back in God's court. Have compassion on us. If you can do anything to help us, have compassion upon us and help us. Jesus said, This ain't about it. if I can help you. If you can believe, all things are possible to the one who believes. Well, what's that mean? Does that mean all things are going to be possible to every pastor? Absolutely not. Does that mean all things are going to be possible to every Christian? No. Because all things are only possible to the one who believes. It's that simple. That's why you'll see pastors that have been pastoring for 50 years and they ain't got enough faith to fill that cup up right there. And you take some little old woman that's 75 years old that could bout pray heaven and earth together. Right? We've seen them people. I, mean, I go to church with a woman in London by the name of Sherry Smith, and Sherry Smith's one of them women. Boy, I'm telling you, I mean, she just about, I mean, just, you'd be. Just so confident in the way that she prays that, I mean, you just make you think she just about sow heaven and earth together with her prayers. And there's a lot of people like that. The greatest titans of faith will never be seen on this side of heaven. Think about that. You won't even see the greatest people of faith on this side. It'll be when you get over to the other side. And you see these little old women and these little old men and all this different stuff that, you know, that have exhibited the power of God again and again and again and again and again. Why? Because they believe. Just because you get an office title of ministry does not mean you believe. There are lots of people that stand in lots of offices of ministry that... You know, They just went to school for it, and that they decided they were going to go there. And we're not against schooling. Don't say that. But a lot of people make a decision. I'm just going to do this. And that's not what God's called them to do. And they miss God, and there you got it. Then you'll have people that just think that, well, I'm just supposed to pray and believe God. And that's what they do. And their life produces the fruit of it. And that's how it is. So you see right there, so Jesus says, If you can believe, all things are possible to the one who believes. And that man immediately stopped right there, and he realized in himself, I may not believe enough. So if unbelief is what's hindering the problem here, help me. So a lot of times we need to stop and say, instead of trying to present ourselves as titans of faith, well, you know... um, I mean, I mashed my thumb, and when I came to my senses, and when I say came to my senses, I mean, I kinda lost it for just a moment. Cause I don't, I rarely ever get hurt, and this huge caulking gun fell about that far and pinched the very, the, very, the, the handle of the caulking gun curved like this right here, and that thing fell and hit me right, I mean right, what, I don't know what do they call that part right there, the cuticle? It hit me right there and smashed my thumb between that and a fence stretcher, a big big piece of tube before. And it I was pulling a cord off the wall and this thing fell out of nowhere and hit I didn't even know what had happened for just a second. But man, I mean like I I mean I kind of ashamed of myself. I grabbed that caulking gun and threw that thing across the shop. I mean I mean I about come unglued. And when I come to my senses, I you know, I laid hands on myself you know i started praying for myself immediately well you know we got to keep working we got to keep going i mean man i'm hurt bad like i mean i think it hit a nerve because like i like the whole palm of my hand all up through my forearm up into the middle of my bicep was so sore i couldn't even hardly i mean i about puked that's about how bad it was well i got i got home you know got abby and eli shine's going to camp and this is funny, you get a kick out of this. Y'all, some of y'all met Eli, some and some of you ain't, but I was sitting there and he said, Daddy, what happened to your thumb? So I was telling him. He's sitting on the couch. The TV's right here. He's sitting on the couch, and I'm sitting in the recliner right here, and he looks over at me like this. He said, Did the Lord try to warn you not to do that? <laughs> I said, if you, I said you wasn't so much like me. I'd slap you. <laughs> I said, son, I'm sure the Lord was trying to warn me, and I wasn't listening. And he went, you know, and just went right back to watching his show. Well, so it's about time to take them back to their mama. Amen. I mean, just every time my heart beat, my thumb, kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. I said, I'm gonna have to have, a, I'm gonna have to have someone pray for me. You know, and I don't like that. I, I I don't know why, but I mean it just I need to get better at it. Well, so I was like, Eli, you wanna come pray for my thumb? He said, Dad, I don't know what to say. I said, You a little heathen, you ain't no help. So I said, Abby, you wanna come pray for my thumb? Abby walked up, she said, I'll pray for your thumb, grab my thumb, Wow starts praying. Father, I thank you. You're gonna heal Daddy's thumb. We ask you to heal Daddy's thumb. And I mean she's got a hold of it just like that right there, and I was sitting there and I was thinking, I hope I don't pass out right here. This is going to be horrible. You know, but I mean, boy, she just walked up. I mean, she takes laying on a hand seriously, boy. I mean, she just walked up there and just, just, uh, just. I mean, grabbed it just like a big old cow at her, boy. And I said, oh, man. But you know what? It, I mean, it, you know, the swelling didn't get any bigger than that right there, and, and it's holding. But we say that to say this is that unbelief is something that we all struggle with. At some point, And instead of acting like big shots, Well, I don't need nobody to pray for me. Don't you know who I am and blah, 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 and this and that. No, sometimes you're gonna have to have your nine-year-old daughter pray for you because you praying for yourself and this thing ain't moving. I asked the Lord about that one time. He said, I'm a team player. You know, I said, Lord, I mean I said, You use me to heal people all the time. And I got to go and ask people to pray for me. I said, why can't I just pray for myself? Get healed. Oftentimes I can. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes I gotta go get people. He's a team player. So we looked at the hindrances, right? So we want to make sure. I don't even know what time it is. Oh, see there. So let's talk about God's best. Let's start there and start working our way backwards. So how can we walk in can we walk in health? And not even have need of healing. And it's possible. I mean, it really, really, really is possible. And a lot of people, you know, and a lot of people struggle to believe that because they, they've been taught that God will do, would, would do more for Israel than he'll do for you, you know, because Israel's God's chosen people, you know. Well, you're his born-again children and numerous times. You know, you can only find one reference in the Old Testament where it refers to Israel being children of God. Every other time, they're called servants of God. I think so. But there's only one reference in the Old Testament where it actually calls Israel God's children, and for a number of years, I couldn't even find that. And then one day I was reading, and right there it just popped up, you know. But, so in the Old Covenant, it was a part of Israel's covenant. The Lord said, if you'll do what's right in my sight, hearken diligently to my voice, keep my statutes, do what's right in my sight, and keep my commandments, he said, I'll take sickness out from the midst of you. That's pretty good, ain't it? So let's prove that. We don't want to make any statements that we really can't prove. Of course, I can't prove that that caulking gun hit me on the thumb, but it did. You can take my word for that. <laughs> Who baby. It sure did. All right. Now, go to Exodus 23. Because we want to compare Israel's covenant and our covenant but I want you to see this that it was a promise to Israel and then I'm going to show you something else and hopefully this will help us all Exodus 23 and I'm going to start reading at verse 20 Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared Beware of him and obey his voice Do not provoke him for he will not pardon your transgressions for my name is in him but if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down your sacred pillars. Now, or their sacred pillars. Verse 25, so you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. All right, so the Lord right there tells his servants, if you'll do what I tell you to do, what will I do? I'm going to take sickness out from the midst of you. It means it won't even live or exist in the camp. Now go to Deuteronomy seven. Is it, it Exodus 4? It 4, yeah. Okay. Deuteronomy seven. Now we're gonna do some reading right here in Deuteronomy seven. I'm gonna read you fifteen verses, but I really want you really I don't want us I don't want to develop one verse theologians. I want people to really get the whole the whole subject matter that really pertains to it. All right, so it says right here, there's our train. I hear the train a All right, Deuteronomy chapter seven, and we're gonna read. I want you to read verses one through 15. Write that down in your notes. But I'm going to read to you from verse 9 to verse 15. But I want you to, in your notes, reference 1 to 15. But I'm going to read it 9. Now, it says right here, he says, Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. And he repays those who hate them to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, now listen, you shall keep the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which I command you today to observe them. Then it shall come to pass because you listen to these judgments and keep them and do them that the Lord your God will keep covenant will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers and he will love you and bless you and multiply you he will also bless the fruit of your womb and the offspring of your flock in the land which he swore to your fathers to give you and you shall be blessed above all peoples there shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock and the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on those who hate you. Now, (laughs) there are statements right there in those particular scriptures that drive these hyper-grace people nuts. Why? Because they want to do whatever they want to do. We want to go out and drink. Raise hell and do all this different stuff. God loves us and He wants us to be happy, and and you can't prove that in a light of word a bit more than nothing, right? So you'll see here, and they'll try to tell you, well, you're this is, this is works. You're trying to make me keep the law through works. Well, and then they'll tell you Jesus came to fulfill the law, and He did. And we don't have to keep the law when it comes to atonement for sin and the covering for our sin. But we've nonetheless, we still do not get to break the commandments. See that? And there are more commandments than just ten. But think about it like this we covered this. A commandment in the scope of the Word is simply the Lord telling you to do something so we have specific commandments love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your mind all your strength love your neighbors, yourself love one another as Jesus has loved us those are all commandments put no other gods before the Lord your God don't sleep with your neighbor's spouse don't steal your neighbor's stuff those are all commandments but it's no less a commandment for the Lord to say to you Regina I want you to do this And you refuse to do it. See, he's talking about those commandments as well, right? So what's he say? He says, do what's right in my sight. Keep my commandments. Keep my statutes. And I'll do what? I'll take sickness out from the midst of you. I'll take it away. Well, now here's two good points. Number one, people will argue and will say, well, he said that to Israel. That's right. He did say that to Israel. He told the Ten Commandments. He, he told Israel the Ten Commandments too, didn't he? And they hanging on 99.9% of church walls across this world. See that? See, so you don't get to... Too many times people are picking and choosing. Well, you know, God wants to bless you. He told Israel, do what's right in my sight and I'll bless you. But he did But he ain't talking to us. You know. Well, he told it. he told us all we had to keep the commandments, but the blessings only apply... To Israel, you understand. Well, I want to show you something. Go to Hebrews chapter 8. And we're going to land right here on Hebrews 8. But I really want you to see this. Because I'm hoping that this will unlock some things for folks. That if they get a hold of it, you'll say, yeah, that's for me, I'll take it. Hebrews chapter 8. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not men. For every high priest who is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, talking about the high priest, he's talking about Jesus here, that It said it was, it was necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on the earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. Now watch what it says right here. Who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now, now read this very carefully. Let this soak in. But now, he, who? Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry than who? The high priests of Israel. Inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. All right. Well, Jesus being the mediator means he's the keeper of the covenant. So think about it like this. In the old covenant, when we talk about the Mosaic covenant, that promise was between God and man, and man could only partake in the blessings of the covenant based upon their performance. Doing right, doing wrong, keeping the statutes, so on and so forth. But this new covenant is not between God and man. It's between Father and Son. And now we partake in that covenant because when you're born again, you are now made one spirit with Christ. You have been grafted into the body of Christ and now you have the ability to partake in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ according to Ephesians 1 Three, so the blessings of the new covenant you are able to partake in because of your union with Christ and it's better he said it was better well if they was healing in the old covenant then a new covenant couldn't be a better covenant if it didn't have healing in it if it didn't have the same thing or more it couldn't be better See that? If he was going to take sickness out from the midst of some people that had an old covenant that was a worse covenant, then the new covenant has got to have the same promises and better. Same promises and better. Can you see that? So, how do you get it? How do you walk in that? You can do it, it's possible. In the flesh, it's impossible. Naturally speaking, it is impossible. But I want to show you something. Go to Romans chapter 13. Now see these, see we're going to get into the commandment here that the church ignores. See a lot of the church, this probably makes some people mad, especially if they hear this on the podcast. But it's okay. I'm about to upset some people's theology. And you know sometimes our theology needs to be flipped over and upset and upended. Dug out and burnt. Romans 13. Where is the church's mind always go when we talk about the commandments? Where does it go? Exodus 15. You keeping God's commandments? Huh? You keeping the commandments God gave you? Huh? You better be keeping the Ten Commandments. God gets you. You better not be breaking those Ten Commandments. And yet, I'm going to show you the rebellion of the majority of the church. You ready for this? I ain't even there. Where am I at? I'm over here talking. Romans 13. Now I want you to see this. Let me get there. This thumb is really not helping me. Alright, look at verse 8 right here. Owe oh, no one anything except to love one another. Now, don't go left field on me here and try to be like a lot of people and say, well, you can't get a bank loan you can't get a mortgage loan and all this different stuff because the Bible says, oh, no man, anything. That ain't what he means right here. Don't go, don't go, don't jump out of one ditch and jump the road and go plumb to the other side. Okay. That's not what he's talking about here. Owe oh, no one anything except to love one another. Now watch. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. Uh Uh-oh. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit murder. Exodus 15. You shall not steal. Exodus 15. You shall not bear false witness. Exodus 15. You shall not covet. Exodus 15. And if there are any other commandments... And we know that there are, because you know, he only just named a few handful, uh, just a few select ones out of the handful right there, didn't he? Are all summed up in this saying, namely, "You shall love your neighbor as yourself," because love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, agape. This is the Greek word agape, the love of God that's been shed abroad in your heart, according to Romans five five, by the Holy Ghost. This love is the fulfillment of the law. So the church is hung up on these ten commandments in Exodus 15. Bless God, I wish I could get them to see that there's a whole nother book past Malachi. Called the New Testament. Where Jesus said, when that young ruler came to him and said, Which is the greatest of the commandments? And Jesus said... The Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love one another. love your, And love your neighbor as yourself. And then I'd like to get them over there in John and get them to see right there where it says, Love one another as I have loved you. So you go to... First, there's So people say, well, you can't do that. Well, First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, I'll call to your attention... The Spirit of God starts out, chapter 14, by saying, Pursue love, agape, and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Walk in love. Be imitators of God as dear children and walk in agape. 1 Corinthians 12 and 31, the Apostle Paul, after coming out of the great spiritual gifts chapter, says, Yet I show you a more excellent way. For though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I give my body to be burned, give all my possessions to the poor, give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. For love, agape, the love of God that shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, according to Romans 5, 5, For love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there's prophecies, they'll fail. Whether there's tongues, they'll cease. Whether there's knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. Why? For when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And then I'll know just also as I am known. Now abide. Now what? Now abide. Now abide. Now live in, dwell in, walk in all the days of your life. Faith, hope, love, these three. There ain't no and there. Faith, hope, love, and was not in there. Love is not an afterthought. Faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now how about that? But we don't, people don't want to do that do that. No, because you know what that love's going to do? You start letting that love do the talking. You know what you're going to do? You're going to do some crazy stuff. Like, forgive the people that hurt you. Like, bless those who persecute you. Like, do good for those people. See that? Huh? It's going to make you do some things. It's going to make you shut your mouth. When you really, really, really want to say some things, that maybe you feel like, naturally speaking, you're entitled to have the right to say? See that? See, why? I asked the Lord about this. I said, why are we, Why all these people got their focus on the Ten Commandments? He said, because that's far easier than this love commandment. But see, if you'll pursue this love, if you'll genuinely, in your heart, say, I want to pursue this love. I want to love how you love. I want to treat people how you want me to treat people. And you start laying self aside. you'll come find out sickness will leave. It's got to go because you're accessing... When you're walking in love, you are engaging irrevocable spiritual laws. You're walking in love, doing what's right in the sight of the Lord. He didn't say pray to me and ask me to take sickness away, did he? He didn't say that in Exodus 23. He didn't say that in Deuteronomy chapter 7. He said you do this... And I'm going to do this. You go over to Deuteronomy chapter 28, look at them first 14 verses. My God, he said, you do what I tell you to do. He said, I'm going to cause all the blessings of the earth to come upon you and overtake you. Well, I don't believe that. I'm sorry. You just keep on being sick and broke and poor and oppressed. (laughs) I just keep on doing it. And bless God, just be as sick as you can possibly be. You know, I tell people, well, you know, brother, sick you know, God, you know, he's He's given give me this sickness to prove something. Really? Can you prove that to me in the light of the New Testament? You thought I'd forgot about John chapter 9, didn't you? Look at John chapter 9 and I'll show you something real quick. Now, my friend Jesus finds himself coming upon a man that's been born blind and bless God them poor disciples who think just so much like we would think ask a question Lord whose sin was it that caused this man to be born this way was it his sin or was it his parents' sin and I kind of wonder like sometimes I kind of just sit there and I kind of picture Jesus going you're, you just realize what you just asked me. An unborn child. But see, that's how I mean, you get, right? <coughs> we get full of self righteousness. What did Jesus tell me? Go down there and look at that. Look what Jesus said. Let me get there myself. I'm over here preaching myself happy. I really, I can't, I get so excited thinking about this, it just gets me going. All right. Now, Jesus said right here neither this man. Nor his parents have sinned. We'll see. Now, see right there. Now, see. Didn't I just give you scriptural evidence that proved the statement that I made at the beginning of this—that not all sickness is because of sin. All sickness is a result of sin, but not all sickness is because of sin. I, we just proved it right there, didn't we? Didn't he just? Say, didn't Jesus just say right there that the man hadn't sinned and his parents hadn't sinned? Well, if neither one of them sinned, then you can readily see this man was born blind. He's struggling with a disease or some type of physical infirmity that was in the earth because of Adam's high treason, but not a result of this man or his parents doing anything wrong. We just proved it right there, didn't we? But that the works of God should be revealed in him. I was sitting there, I've told y'all some stuff about Abby, but three days before Christmas 2013, boy, you know, and we knew that, you know, we knew that something was wrong, but we didn't know what it was. You know, you go to these doctors, oh, you know, it's just, it's fine, you know, she'll walk when, she's just developing slow, you know. She'll talk. Well, two years old, she didn't walk and she didn't talk. And then three days before Christmas that year, you know, the the flood of doctor's reports started because now it was, you know, now, well, we think she's got this and we think she's got this. And then systematically, you know, it went from one thing to now we believe she has uh, a genetic disorder, you know, and it didn't stop there. You know, because then, I mean, it just kept going. Well, you know, now she's got brain problems and all this different stuff, and now we're going to have to do brain scans and CAT scans and all this different stuff and everything else. And every dear, darling Christian around us at the time tried to convince me. Well, you know, God just made her that way. God just wanted her to be that way. But something on the inside of me, I said, where is Jesus the healer? Where is he? I see him. I see him in the Gospels. I ain't super smart, but I ain't dumb neither. I've read this New Testament. I can't find anything that says healing ain't for today. Where's it at? Where is Jesus the healer? This is who we need. I don't need a doctor from Lexington. I don't need a doctor from Children's Hospital in Cincinnati. I need Jesus the healer where is he at I began to to absolutely day and night study the scriptures pray where's Jesus where's the healer where's he at and the harder I prayed and the more I went the worse it got and 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 And everybody, every time I'd go to give up they just sent the Holy Ghost on the inside of me just wouldn't quit would not just about every time I was about to just give up, give in to this, something on the inside of me would say, come on, don't give up yet. Let's keep doing this. I was sitting in the recliner. I can tell you exactly almost what time of day it was when that the Lord, I was reading, just happened to have been reading. And I read that particular scripture right there, and a great big light bulb came on. Came on. Boom. Big light went off. I said, he's permitted Abigail to be this way. He's going to heal her. Where are you at? Where are you at, Jesus the healer? I'm coming after you. Where you at? Because if this is just it, then I mean, this is, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to this nonsense anymore about healing. I ain't going to listen to it. It's either going to be true or it's not true. One or the other, we're either in or we're out. Which one's it going to be? I get pretty radical. I get pretty extreme. And I, I mean, I get sideways. If it's going to be this way, then this is what we're going to deal with. But you telling me stuff, this is why I take such offense at people. I'm not near as bad as I used to be. But I can't take such offense at people that try to preach and teach that sickness is from God and that God wants people to be sick. Everything I've seen in the light of the New Testament says they was oppressed by the devil. That means you're blaming God for stuff He didn't do. Now you wonder. Now you can readily see why a lot of people are sick. See that people don't want to hear that. Sometimes you got to slap them and say, "Hey, look, you blaming God for this? You realize this? Jesus said. People said it was from the devil, and now you saying it's from God. Who you want me to believe? You or Jesus? I'll take following Jesus for a thousand, Alex. See, so you got to get so we kept going and we kept going and we kept going and I'm talking about I'm talking about fighting naturally and spiritually and see it wasn't just a one and done with Abigail I remember the first time I saw her jump when they said she may never walk I remember that plain as day I remember that then I remember the reports of the brain issues and all this different stuff and we got to go here and we got to do this and we got to do that and everything else and if it wasn't for Michael Mays my best friend standing right there with me I don't I probably would have failed under the pressure because everybody and their brother were around me trying to get me to believe that God just wanted her to be this way and the devil drilling you day and night I remember I standing there I remember the day he told me he said, I'm going to kill her I'm going to kill her, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. That's the truth. I went home one day to that house in Highland Park. I went home to eat lunch. Never forget it. I was so wore out, so tired from studying. Shine could verify some of that. I'd be up till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning studying the Scriptures. Every moment I had it, when I wasn't waiting on a customer at Bryant's, I was reading the Scriptures. I mean going after it tooth and toenail i came home one day for lunch and i was just wore out after about a year of this just absolutely just wore out being drilled day and night and i I never forget it and i walked in and i sat down at the table and the kitchen was on the right and that house that we lived in was split level on one part so they was eight or ten or twelve steps here that went down to the basement, and those five or six steps went up here to this upper level, and there's a big living room, two bedrooms up there. Abby's bedroom was up there, and Shine's bedroom was up there. Well, see, I slept with that kid for almost three years. She'd wake up in the middle of the night, tormented, screaming. I slept with her every night, in the bed with her. You're going to come get my baby. You're going to have to come through me. I don't care who you are. I'm going to do whatever I can. I Came home one day, sitting there at the table. <laughs> Oddly enough, there wasn't nobody there. And I was sitting there looking out the door, and I just lost it. I said, Lord, I started bawling. I said, Lord, I'm doing everything I know to do. And it just keeps getting worse. I don't know what to do. And I just started just sobbing. And I looked to my left. And about a nineteen year- old version of Abigail came bouncing down those steps,, ba-bum, ba-bum. walked right up there to the edge of the table, hair pulled back, long long brown hair pulled back, big ponytail. Hi, Dad, Turn around, bounced right down the steps, perfectly healed perfectly well. I said, I, she's got it. I knew it, I knew I knew she had it. I knew she had it. I said, all I got to do is hold on, huh? Well, so then I began, so the Lord would say this, do this, do this." Piece by piece and part by part, huh? See, he can't, he can't stretch you past where your faith is willing to go. Cause he didn't, he say right there, what did he tell that man? He said, "All things are possible to the one who believes." So he's got to stretch you, and keep stretching you, and keep stretching you. Well, we were about a year into it, and she's learning sign language, doing all this different stuff. She's beginning to walk and all this different stuff. And then out of nowhere, one day. She grabs her left eye and starts screaming just at the top of her lungs. Screaming bloody murder. We rush her to the hospital. Can't find nothing wrong. Come home. You talk about a hard thing. You sit there and watch your three-and-a-half, four-year-old daughter sit there and watch TV, hand over her eye just like this, right like this for hours at a time. Just like this. I'd look at that. Where's Jesus the healer? Where's he at? We need it. What's going on here? That carried on for about six months. That last episode she had, we rushed her down to Children's Hospital in Knoxville. Come back. We got no answers. Drive home from Knoxville. Her sitting like this right here. Hand over her eye. At my wit's end. What are we going to do here, Jesus? We need an answer. What are we going to do? What's wrong? I'm doing everything I know to do. Where are you at? Where am I missing? Came home. Eli was about a year old. His mom said, I need to go to Walmart. I'm going to leave Abby here with you. I said, that'd be fine. So she took Cheyenne and Eli with her. Well, I was standing there, leaned up against the door, and Abby had this... We're in a bedroom that's 10 by 10. Abby had a bed and, and it had like one of those little old tripod things there that's a chalkboard on one side and a dry erase marker board on the other, and I'm leaning up against the wall, just up against the door frame. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And she was sitting there. She turned and looked at me, and I saw it. I said, you come out of her now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she took off running at me and jumped and attacked me. And I grabbed her and picked her up like this right here. And she's scratching and screaming and clawing. I said, I command you to come out in the name of Jesus. And she went, <gasps> And just fell limp in my arms. And laid her head on my shoulder. and I didn't know what to do. Like I was just, I just just held her. I started patting her on the back. Adam, you okay? She raised up, looked over at me and (coughs) smiled. It was about three or four months after that, her mother called me one day, you gotta come home now. I said, what's wrong? You gotta come home now. I jumped in the truck, flew home. What's wrong? She walked me in the bedroom. Now, see, Abigail, you—when she was, you couldn't have her sitting like this. She'd scream, nonstop, scream nonstop. I said, "What is going on?" She said, "Go in there and have her tell you." I walked in there. Abby had drawn a picture on the dry erase board of the angel that she said appeared to her and touched her head truth. From that moment to this, she ain't done nothing but got better. It's about a year later. I was driving down the road and the Lord told me. He said it was me. See, the Lord appealed, appeared to her in her room. laid his Laid his hand on her head. Here we are now. And she's just as happy and healthy and normal. And I mean, she, she ain't no more abnormal than any of the other kids. she got foods that she don't like. She walks and talks and runs, and we do all kinds of stuff. And it took about five years overall to get her past all that. Piece at a time and a part at a time. But she's perfectly well, perfectly whole. So see, that's what I'm saying to you is, is that oftentimes it ain't a one and done. People will say, well, can you prove that? Yeah, I can prove that to you. You know, Jesus had to lay hands on a man twice. Call to your attention. And it was, he was given the spirit without measure. And he laid hands on that man and he said, what do you see? And he said, I see men walking around like trees. laid his hands on him again. Second time, his healing was perfected. People say, Why do you reckon Jesus did that? Because He's proven to you that sometimes you're going to have to lay hands on somebody more than once to get them healed and well. About three years ago, the Lord said something to me that absolutely astonished me. He said, You can lay hands on people and apply it like medicine. Just keep laying hands on them. That's what I do. Every time I get the kids, I lay hands on them. You're blessed in Jesus' name. You're healed. You're well. All that different stuff. Just keep on laying hands on them. Preston was healed by the laying on the hands. With that eye. Remember that? Sure he was. He had that eye that would turn, remember? He'd be looking right at you. At that Preston. He'd be looking right at you and that eye would go whoa, whoa, Huh? Ain't that the truth? We got in there, got to teaching on faith for about three or four good weeks. Got them built up. They said, let's pray for Preston. I said, let's wait, just a, let's wait just a little bit. Waiting on the word of the Lord. So you got to wait on the Lord. You can't just do this. You got to wait and see what he says. The Holy Spirit say, do this, and you do it. That night he said, we was up there teaching. He said, lay hands on Preston. I laid my hands on him, and his eye went. Just like that. If that ain't the truth, you tell it. it <laughs> if, that if that ain't the truth, you tell it. I'm telling. God wants to do it. He wants to heal people. He wants to make people well. Why? So that they'll go out glorifying God, right? You see that? people? Jesus healed people left and right. What'd they do? What'd they do? They didn't come glorifying God. Oh, thank you, God, for this sickness. No. But they sure left glorifying God, didn't they? Well, I talk longer than I am to, but I felt like I needed to tell you all that story about Abigail. It's important. You see, you need to know that other people have fights of faith, and it was a knockdown, dragout fight with her. But she's well. That's what I'm saying. All of these things that he's done for my children and for me personally is why I spend so much time trying to help other people, trying to get them to believe. It's not if God can, it's not if he wants to. It's will you believe? Anybody got any questions? Let me pause this before we start.